Hello and welcome to Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast covering all things Yeovil Town Football Club. And this week it's our penultimate episode coming before the final game of the season at Lincoln on Saturday. We're here recording this on Thursday, May the 3rd, 2018. And joining me this week is our usual pundit, columnist, contributor, whatever you want to call him, Mike Taylor. How are uh, you today? I'm not too bad. Very sunny day today. Should have got an ice cream out when I got my lunch, but uh, yeah, good day. Well, you How only get that one you? window where the van comes around and plays the tunes. You've got to go, you've got to make that call at that point oh, and go yeah. for it. Otherwise, well, it, it's, yeah, well, it's got a quite a psychedelic version of Benny Hills. It's uh, jingles, quite... <laughs> It's quite, quite, it's quite the sight, really. When so it we don't, we don't do it like we used to. The green sleeves, that's a thing of a past, isn't no, it? No, unfortunately not, no. But I, do, I am really do fancy a 99 right now. I will, I will leave you to, to dream and, uh, you know, just aspire for, to you to have your dairy dreams over there, Mike. But we're going to go back to football very quickly because we've got a bit of football to talk about. And Saturday saw Yeovil Town's final home game of the season against Mansfield Town. And um, unfortunately, in what was quite an entertaining, quite an end-to-end game, um, Yeovil ended up on the wrong side of a 3-2 defeat, which um, was not what Darren Way and the players wanted. They obviously wanted to you know, send the fans home for the summer with a good result. And at least you know, after what's been quite a difficult season, at least you know, give them something to cheer about at the end of, of the campaign. But it didn't quite turn out that way. But... But Mike, you know, it was one of those games, I think, that really, you know, on the balance of it, could have gone either way. Um, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think we predicted last week it was, uh, was going to be a goal fest. I think, obviously, Manfield, looking for the playoffs, we had the obviously Yeovil last game of the season. So, so uh, obviously, they were gonna, it was going to be a very intimate game, very entertaining. And I think it was very, I think Yeovil could be very hard, hard done by the fact that a 3 team lost, really. I think they would have taken a score draw. Because uh, there was good goals involved, I think uh, the, the, you know you scored a fantastic set piece. Uh, they won a good penalty for the second, but I think ultimately it was just a story of the overtime season where they just seemed to not be able to defend really, and uh, it was a, a unfortunate error in doing. It was a real frustration, I think, from the fact that they led twice, and I think when you lead once and then you, you know the other team pull you back and then you yeah. go ahead again, as of course you over were two one up and then you get pegged back again. You know, it's, yeah. it's even more frustrating because you, you obviously you have the opportunities there. You know, if you hold on for what was probably twenty five minutes at that point, then you're going to end the season or you end your, end your final home game with a win, and um, mm. that is very frustrating. And I agree. I think the first half was one of the best Oval Town performances I've seen all season. Oh, yeah. They really did. You know, they really were the better team. Mansfield, of course, had to win the game to keep their playoff hopes alive. And you could really tell that they had something to play for because you could you'd sense that they were very nervy. Mm. They were, you know, they, it was very tense. You know, you could feel that, you know, they knew the pressure was on them. Mm. And um, and Yeovil really to take advantage of that. And it was a good set piece. Mansfield's defending was, you know, went really awry for that. Mm. But Bevis Mugabe did really well to head that in. And I thought Mugabe was, in particular, was outstanding on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I, I think he was, he was as well. He had a really, really good game. It's one of the better games that I think he's had and um, that's one that bodes well for next season with Mugabe being under contract I think yeah. he will get more chances and it's a really good time for him to, to show what he's made what he's made out of but yeah. I think the, the disappointment was that having gone in at 1-0 at half time and there's that, always that sort of five minute window at the start of the second half where you need to just keep things sensible mm. don't let anything slip and then of course the overall go out and there's a bit of sloppy defending there and then Liango sort of bundles home what, what turns out to be the first equaliser and um, and that's frustrating when you've done all the hard work in the first half to come out in the second and immediately mm. throw away the advantage that you've worked so hard to build. Yeah, of course. I mean, especially last game of the season, I think a lot of fans are very much, you know, I, I think we spoke about this part of them being very 
passive very like you know again this is an audio feature unfortunately you can't see me going shrugging my shoulders but very much like you know they need us to pick themselves up and I think it, I think if they got a 2-1 home win against Mansfield I think everyone would have been ending season on the high they would have been very happy about that but I think it was just a case of typical Yeovil but unfortunately they just let it slip and now you know a season you know obviously a few weeks ago Darren Way did, put it, did say that we can possibly go from mid-table um, really push on um, have a strong first the season unfortunately it looks like Yeovil can go up or whimper and well of course since that game at, um, at Coventry early last month yeah. where they won 6-2 yeah. you know a really really impressive result it just they've, seems like they haven't won they've picked up just two points in I think it's seven games since that point and yeah. um, it, it, it's unfortunate that it has slipped I don't think there's much surprise in the way that it perhaps mm. has slipped when you look at the running it was always going to be a very difficult running but certainly they would have hoped to get a couple of wins under their belt and really mean that because in, in theory you know if results go against them on the final day Yeovil will end the season one point mm. above relegation zone and I know it's job done I know it's safety secured but when you look at that final league table if you see yourself only one point away it really does hammer home just how close yeah. this season you know, has come to really being a disaster for the club. Yeah, I mean, it was unfortunately, and again, it's a, a limp to the end of the season, really. And I think obviously the fans wanted a bit more uh, than they have seen, unfortunately. Um, obviously, with um, this season, I think they just, I think it just really is a case of just write this one off and just obviously move on to next season, really. Um, hopefully, um, the Lincoln game show is a bit more of a you know, the final last good day of the season, let's, let's get a result here. Because uh, I think the result against Lincoln is pretty decent, I think. And if, I don't know if you uh, would agree with me. Obviously, I think um, a point would be a fantastic result at Lincoln. Where you consider Lincoln still need a point to mathematically make sure that oh, they yeah. will reach for playoffs. So if they lose that game, Mansfield have got a home game. You know, yeah. they could easily win that. And so Lincoln are going to have to go for it. Yeah. So the likes of Matt Reed, the likes of Wally Palmer, who have been key players for them this season. If Lincoln had... Mm already secured their spot in the playoffs and didn't have a lot to play for there may be that chance that they could have rested a couple of their key players and um, and yep. then it could have given Yeovil a bit of an opportunity there but with one point that Lincoln's doing to get there's no chance they're going to take the foot off the gas they're going to need that point they're going to be very oh, yeah, motivated really and, you know they're going to do everything they can to make sure they win that game and I think you know from from Yeovil's point of view it's a good job that they're safe because if they had to play if they had something to play for on Saturday, that would be an absolute nightmare for Stuart Fulham to yeah. secure what would have been. Lincoln have been very so. good at home, from what I've, what I've gathered, really. Yeah, I mean. they've been really strong, and I'm really impressed by the way that Danny Cowley has managed them this season. Oh, yeah. I, I think, you know, you, you don't, you obviously don't get much of an insight into opposition managers when you're there, but I remember when Lincoln came down to Hewish Park in December, and immediately I was very impressed because. Um, we very often go in and speak to Darren Way before the game. So we spend, you know, if we're waiting for him to, to allow us to come in, um, we'll sometimes stand in the tunnel for a few minutes. And um, it was it, that game and Danny Cowley, you know, there was a couple of Lincoln yeah. players who weren't involved in that game who he decided to leave out. And I was very impressed with the way in which he, you know, he almost sort of called mini one-to-ones with all of his players who yeah, weren't yeah. playing and went and just calmly explained his reasons. But, you know, you could overhear him saying stuff like, you know, if you just, you know, be patient, you know, you'll get your chance. You know, if the game's going this way, then I might bring you on later. You know, it was very, yeah. very calm management. I was very impressed. The other thing, which yeah. I think is almost unique among League Two managers, also takes the warm-ups, which you don't often see from a manager. Oh, wow. but yes. I guess it's indicative of somebody who's very hands-on, wants to get involved and, um, you know, has... Has a huge amount of control, but at the same time, 
He's been very, very effective in a way that he's managed yeah. that team from conference level up to what could, if things go their way, potentially be consecutive yeah, promotions. I, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, that's that's quite impressive, really, because he's usually the assistant uh, assistant manager and always coaches uh, usually do the do the warm-ups, really. I mean, not even I mean, we're going to probably, sorry to bring this back to Arsenal, but Arsenal Wenger is very much hands-on with everything, but even he doesn't do the on-pitch, uh, you know, pre-match uh, preparations in the warm-ups, it's more Steve Bold who does it, but, you know, that's that's impressed by uh, Danny Cowley, um, well, by Cowley there, really, and I think that's just, it's a good insight into his sort of uh, management. Um, I mean, it does show as well, he has got a bit of respect for him as well, obviously, touching on what you said there about how he uh, had his mini to one to one for his players as well, and I think that's a manager I think a lot of fans would appreciate, and I think that must be quite a calming influence in the dressing room, really. So. Yeah, and without talking too much about Lincoln as a club, because I know this is a Yeovil Town podcast, oh, yeah. but I think if you look at the way Lincoln have progressed in the last couple of years, I think there are very much parallels that you can draw between them and the way that, that Yeovil, you know, were mm. when they first got into the league, because yeah. you know, if you look at the way that Lincoln were a few years ago, they were, they were down mid-table in the conference, really struggling, you know, former football league club that had, you know, didn't really look like they were going anywhere, playing in front of crowds yeah. of 2,000 people. And then all of a sudden, you know, they, Danny Cowley yeah. came in. He did really well last year, got them back incredible cup run yeah. to the quarterfinals, where, of course, they got the, the win at Burnley, yeah. uh, got the, the tie at Arsenal and um, won the league. And now they're playing in front of eight, 9,000 fans every week. And, um, yeah. and the home area of the ground for Saturday has already been sold out. And it just goes to show, you know, that, you know, sometimes when you get the right manager in place, when you get the right team in place and everyone's pulling in the right direction, but it's the, the feel-good factor and the buzz it creates around a club, you know, it can be incredible and it can really spur you on to, to oh, exactly. achieve great things. And I think it is very similar to the way that Yeovil were when they first got into the league. You know, the crowds they were getting, they were getting six, seven, eight thousand fans into Hewish Park on a regular basis. And they were really, you know, really climbing the league. And there was a real buzz around, not just the oh, club, yeah. but around the town as well. And I think that, that's great because, you you know, you can really see that they're, they're a club on the high. But of course, for Yeovil's point of view, it's going to be very difficult, I think, on the final day of the season for them to, to stop that and um, potentially yeah. spoil their party when it comes to them getting in the playoffs. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, obviously, Lincoln are rampant right at the moment. You say they just need a point, but obviously it's their last game of the season. And I think they'll probably just try to get like a two-goal lead and they'll just sort of sit on it, really. Because bearing in mind, they're in the, that all they need is a point to get into the playoffs. And then obviously, they'll get when they're in the playoffs. So I think they'll be thinking ahead and uh, trying to manage... And the team and obviously players want to get injured for the playoffs either. So um, <clears throat> it'll be an interesting one, really, on Saturday. Um, hopefully, Yeovil can put up a good fight against them. Um, and, well, it, it, it really should be a good game, hopefully, but we'll start to see. I want to draw, I want to draw your attention. I want to go back to, to Yeovil's position. Of course, for now, with one game to go, they are um, four points clear of trouble, which, of course, is safe. You know, they're going to be playing in League Two next year. They don't have to worry about what happens on Saturday. But... You know, this this is the permutation down the other end of the table. Is that Barnet, who of course is still two points adrift of safety, adrift of Morecambe, where they got that really important win on Saturday. Oh, yeah. They have to play at home to already relegated Chesterfield on Saturday. Now, if they win that, Morecambe have to get at least a point away at Coventry, who themselves are in the same position as Lincoln. They need a point to guarantee their playoff spot. Mm. So that's going to be a very difficult game. And you can really see a position where Barnet pull off a great escape. And when you look at where the table was, a few 
weeks ago, you know, it seemed almost impossible to think that Barnett could be in his position going into the final day. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite a resurgence we've had very, very recently under Martin Allen. When I, when I saw Martin Allen return, what was it, like the fifth time or the hundredth time he seems to have returned to uh, uh, Barnett for a while, I think they're still down in the dumps. I, don't, I highly doubt they'll uh, get out of it, but they've had a recent resurgence to the point that, you know, they, they could guess escape from the relegation pace and what a story that would be obviously um, and, but obviously it's less of a, it's less of a dramatic one now it's just it's really between two players uh, team, two teams yeah. it's not a case of like, a, like between two three or four and thankfully over time away from it just about yeah but of course this goes back to the point that if you overall lose if Barnett win if Morecambe were to pick up a point mm. Then Yeovil will finish the season one point above relegation zone, and I want to take your mind back to February when Yeovil played Barnet in what you know was a, seen as quite an important game back yeah. then. And of course, Yeovil for much of that second half were one 0 up, and Barnet absolutely put Yeovil to the sword in that second half. And it was only because of Johnny Madison who pulled off four or five blinding saves that kept Yeovil ahead. And of course, it was then in injury time when Barnet were throwing everything at it that they broke away, and Francois Oko got that decisive second goal but yeah. really if you look at if you, you know it, I know it's always difficult to pull out specific games over the course of a season but if you're going to pinpoint one game that really has turned out to be mm. absolutely crucial for Yeovil it's been that game because yeah. if they'd drawn that game then of course they're two points worse off Barnett are a point worse off and Yeovil on the final day of the season and even to win to probably they would have been guaranteed that they're points, gonna, yeah. yeah I mean they would have obviously <laughs> to try and get a result against uh, Lincoln which would have made Saturday's game even uh, more of a challenge, but thankfully, as you say, I mean, I think it's important to you know when you reflect on the season or if you're going into the season, you, you point yeah. out those key games you know you need to get points from. You those pivotal yeah. moments in the season. You say about the Barnet game, obviously, um, you know, I, mean, that's, that's, I can't think of many on top of my head, but there's obviously been there's been pivotal for, for, games. There've obviously been disappointing games as well. You go where Yeovil have had you know leads oh, thrown away leads where you know Morecambe again oh, Morecambe's yeah, a great example say, yeah. because Morecambe are one of the teams below them now is in both games they had a two goal advantage yeah. at home they drew two all away they lost 4-3 in a, you know what was, was a really a poor poor second thing, half yeah. performance yeah. and again it's those margins that you know perhaps if you, if you ever hung on just one of those games then Morecambe would probably be down now but of course if Yeovil had, hadn't um, held on against Barnet, then it would be them in that position so yeah. it's really key you know it's that you know, when they in that game that they had to win, they did it. And mm. it's not been it's not been by any stretch a good season, but really, you know, if you look at the way that you know, if you look at the result that was absolutely crucial to their campaign, it will have to be that one because they they pretty much saved themselves on that night, I think. And I think there was always that sense that once the Oval had beaten Barnett that you know, Barnett weren't going to catch him. I think that was that was always the sense on that night. Little did we know that you know it could end up being yeah. that their finish is literally one point ahead of them. But yeah, it, it is important. I think it was always good to go back and look at these little, you know, these very very fine margins that perhaps make the difference. Yeah, in it's, a the it's, it's the same. It's the same on top of the table. Really, you got you know you think of those crucial games against the teams around you, all those games where you held on and got a point. That is the difference between say promotion or just another. Uh, season in League Two, you have to. It's 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 so fine mar. It's so many fine margins that you know you think on the day, oh, you just you just gain a point there. But you think on the long run, you know how many point, how many of those points were pivotal to you being in that position. 
Um, and in, obviously in Jürgen's case, they got some great points in, in key positions. They lot they dropped points. Yeah. But they and they argue if you know I, I believe you did a story quite a few um, weeks months ago about you know if had Yeovil have kept how long to their leads or in the realistic games. I think there was a point they, where they dropped something like it was something like thirteen points at that point from well, yeah. being two or or being either being two goals up or being ahead in the last five or ten minutes of a game. I can't. Well, yeah, well, if, if you say that, I mean, Yeovil, if Yeovil hadn't dropped those points in those realistic games, they could have actually held on for. They would have been mid table. They would have been way, you know, they would have been closest yeah. to the playoffs in the relegation. But this is exactly why, you know, the board have to show more ambition next yeah. year. It's no good to give a budget or to plan just to stay in the league because, as you've said there, you know, these are very, very fine margins. And the overall, on this occasion, have been the right side of a couple of those key games that they had to get something from. But next yeah. season, it may be that they don't get the points that they need in those key games. And it may be that they end up, you know, on the wrong side of that. And again, you can't. It's almost like if every year, if you plan every year just to stay in the league, then eventually at some point yeah. you're going to trip up and you're going to end up the wrong side of that red line at the end of the season. And, you yeah. know, whether, you know, whatever it needs, you know, whether it takes, you know, a bigger budget, whether it means, means investment, you will have to do everything they can to make sure they plan properly for next year and make a real concerted effort to climb the table. Because firstly, the fans are fed up of or battling relegation every year. But also, you know, if they don't, if they don't make a real push to get up the table, then eventually they're going to trip up and they're going to end up back in non-league. When yeah. and if when you know as we all know, it took them 108 years to get out of non-league. Yeah. And who knows if they were to drop down into the national league, yeah. if or when they would ever come back. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, as we keep saying, it's a very tough league to get out of the national league. Um, you know, it's a very pivotal time because attendance is at record lows. Uh, all, and it's because the overall are just uh, back in relegation every season. They're just just a club to stay in the football league and I don't think that's really ambitious I think fans really want something exciting something that shows that you know they get a few players in and it shows that you know there's, there's something to this young town team and you know and I don't you know it would be boring to just expect the same thing every season I think every fan wants the best for their club you also want um, there's something to be exciting this season um, the overall, I think the only excitement we've had in the other time of the season um, would be obviously with the F- FA Cup run because that was an incredible run to get to uh, was it the fourth round play United yeah. um, uh, sell out crowd that was brilliant. and I think that, that that was the other key thing that that has helped Yeovil stay up this year because it did bring in a you know an injection of cash oh, yeah. they used to in the January transfer window to to help bring in a couple of key players. I mean, I very much doubt that Alex Fisher would ever have joined Yeovil had it not been for that money. Yeah. I have doubts as to whether maybe a couple of the loans would have come in. I have doubts as to whether Sean Donnellan, for example, may have come in yeah. as well. You know, it was very, very key to make sure that, you know, that money was put to good effect to, to do that. And um, But of course, there was the other thing that, that Manchester United game did, is that it did generate a buzz around the club and it brought a bit of a feel-good factor back in for if only a brief amount of time, but what it mm. did do is that after that game, there was that three or four game run where, where Yeovil really did put together a good sequence of results. They had the wins over Grimsby and Cambridge. Oh, yeah. They had a good point at Crew, and then there was that Barnet win as well. So, you know, they really did utilise, you know, the, the just the feel-good factor that that game generated to good effect to secure their survival. But again, it's another thing. You can't rely on getting a cup run like that every year. Yeah. You can't rely, if you do get to that um, that stage of a competition drawing Manchester United out of the hat every year you know it's very much I know it's happened twice in four years but the chances of it happening again next season are very very slim and they have to make sure you know that they're playing for something if you're not trying to stay up you have to go for the playoffs whether the playoffs are 
uh, altogether achievable is another thing, but you have to start the season believing that you can get there. And I think the fact that Darren Way has already come out and says that they need to be um, challenging for top seven and challenging for playoffs next year is a good sign of intent. But really, you know, that's the marker that he's now laid down. They can't be going back on that. That is the aim. You have to go for playoffs now mm. and you have to do everything you can to try and achieve that. Yeah, and I was going to say as well, um, we, I, I just realised we completely glossed over this, but the fact that they got to the, what's the, the FAL Trophy yeah. semi-finals, you know, they were 90 yeah. points away from Wembley in a competition that yeah. I think fans don't really care about. And I think that Darren Way was a, was a manager I think, who actually really yeah. took it to heart. And I think you have to understand, again, the reasons why Yeovil yeah, will take that competition so seriously. And again, it comes down yeah. to the prize money that can be generated. I know it's a competition that's much maligned among the fans. I mean, there's not really an awful lot of interest in it. But if, you know, the club had got to Wembley, that's another, you know, that's another huge six-figure sum mm. that can go in to help um, to help the club. And, you know, it's about £800,000 that have been generated from cup runs. So that's why I think if you look at, you know, the season as a whole and what kind of season is it in, you can't write it off as a complete failure. It's not been mm. a good season, particularly when you look at the league forms, but it's certainly, you know, there have been those bright spot, spots and those highlights that, you know, that... There were times where things were looking okay, particularly in the Cups, but they cannot use this as a benchmark for success. They cannot say, we've had a good year, go go away, pat each other on the back and say, we'll come back again. You have to say, actually, you know, the Cup runs were good, but we've pretty much got away with this in the league this year. You know, a few results going the other way and mm. we'd be down. We need to make sure that that doesn't happen again. You know, we cannot keep doing this. We cannot keep, you know, just keeping our heads above water. There has to be a push and there has to be an effort and it has to be you know that drive to get them up the table yeah I completely agree and because uh, again as I keep saying it's boring for uh, play, for fans just to have the same old every season they want uh, chal- they want a challenge they want something different even even the, uh, the top clubs they still want something every season I think F- F- like Chelsea for example they always want Chelsea to challenge the title they want to win the cup if you don't, then it's a boring season, and and you know, and you can only have obviously. I, I don't think it's unreasonable for your town fans to say we want to push on top half stable, go for playoffs, get some exciting players in, and maybe some better football. And that's I don't think that's I don't think that's unreasonable to say at all. Now, of course, one game to go means one last Thursday press conference, which I've been to this afternoon. And while I was there, I spoke to Alex Fisher, Yeovil Town's January signing, who has gone on to establish himself as a key part of the Glover's attack over the second half of this season. And while we were there, we spoke to him about how he settled in at Yeovil and his hopes going forward into next season as well. I mean, no matter what the situation, I always think you've got to try and take the positives out of it. Uh, and for me, it was, I didn't go straight in. Um, the manager said I probably wouldn't go straight in because you, you know, respects the players that are doing their job. You know, you don't just come in for the sake of coming in. Um, so it allowed me to try and get to know a bit the team a bit better and understand people's games. Um, so I find coming in halfway through the season it allows you to, one, give a fresh impetus, impetus to, the, to the starting lineup, um, but also allows you to uh, take time to kind of establish yourself behind the scenes that allows your game on the pitch to hopefully become a bit more fluid. Uh, compared to starting um, the season, you get to you know have a full pre-season with each other and often that can lead to you know good bonds off the pitch with the lads because you get to know each other a lot better. So each have their, have their advantages. And of course, when you talk about when you did establish yourself in the team, you've been part of some really, really key goals, haven't you? I mean, Colchester, Coventry, the equaliser at Swindon. So just how pleased have you been with the contribution that you've made in terms of the, the goals you've scored? You've managed to get some really key, key points out of them. 
Yeah, I mean, as a striker, that's that's a bonus. Um, but there is a there is a, there are eleven players out there, and um, you know, I have to thank my teammates for putting the shift in they have because it's been uh, it's been a, a real team performance every time we've gone and got something. I think Coventry kind of takes the biscuit because it was such a headline score. Um, but every individual has played their part, and um, if they do their job in their position, then it's and I do mine, then then we all win. Of course, for, you know, for summer it always brings some element of changes to every football club. That's just that's natural. But one thing that should touch wood, stay the same, is the fact that, that you and Francois Oko you're both here next season. So, how much are you looking forward to seeing that um, that partnership that you've built up develop over the summer and going into the next campaign? Yeah, it'd be great. The more game time you have with with any strike partner, the more you understand their game. Um, and I feel our rapport is, you know, gaining strength by by the game. Um, equally, no position is guaranteed. Manager makes that very clear. So uh, it's important that you know you maintain a good work ethic during the week to allow yourself to be in his plans for the weekend. Um, but yeah, the more you play with someone, the more the better the understanding becomes. Just looking at your career, I mean, you've played in several different countries across Europe. You've played I mean, in Italy, Spain, Belgium. Correct, it, yes. Yeah. Um, so just having that opportunity to go and test yourself abroad, how much do you think that that's helped to improve you as a player? Yeah, I mean, it's um, in terms of actually playing the game, I guess you get to know different styles of play. You get to recognise key moments in games where you either need to speed the tempo up or slow it down, or, you know, game, as the manager would say, game management. Um, off the pitch, you learn to live quite far away from home and, and without life's comforts, um, which often most footballers go without. You know, it's the sacrifice you make for being a footballer. Um, but all in all, the experience I had abroad, I feel, has shaped me quite well as an individual, both on and off the pitch. And just looking ahead to next season, I'm your manager, Darren, where you said in a few interviews now that the aim is that you'd very much like to launch a playoff um, bid next season. In fact, I mean, I, no doubt that you're very much behind as well. Oh, 100%. Like, you don't play the game just to take part. You play the game to win. Uh, the manager and, and all his staff have the same mindset and uh, they make sure that they pass that on to us every day. Um, so, yeah, we want to be part of a successful team, but one that's going to be at the uh, right end of the table next season. And from what you've seen from your time here so far, how achievable do you think that goal is? Very achievable, very achievable. I have full belief in, in, in the manager and the staff and, and the team um, that we could launch a very strong uh, campaign next season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's nice to be sitting here knowing that hopefully I'll play a good part in that. Now, of course, um, the final home game of the season means um, as, uh, every year at Yeovil Town that there are the end of season awards on the pitch yeah. after the game. So there were a few fans who stayed behind for that one. And, um, and two players in particular who really got the lion's share of those awards, that being Tom James, who I think won three awards, and Omar Swamini, oh which won two awards, including our very own Western Gazette Player of the Year award. And which, you presented um, it. Which I presented and... Um, you know, if you if you go through looking at picture galleries, I do apologise first of all just for, for me being in pictures. You know, there's a reason I like to stay behind the camera yeah. when I do my work. But you know, sometimes it can't be helped. Sometimes you have to to do that. But um, I think you know, looking at the looking at the awards and um, you know, it was quite it, it was quite a difficult one. I, I obviously decided and I made a final decision as to who won that award. But you know, there were there were quite a few candidates. You know, throughout the course of the season who had really good runs and and. I think you know overall you know I decided to go for for Omar just because I think that when you look at where he was last year he was a player who was very much a bit part figure he'd been you know it was a failed experiment to turn him into a striker mm. which didn't really work when you consider that coming through the youth ranks he'd always played as a defender but you know this season you know he was put back in defence you know he was given a run of games and he really took to that like a duck to water he really began to flourish and before too long not only had he cemented himself as a key figure in the team but as the year went on you know his authority and his role in the team really really grew and of course it, it just went to show that when 
you know, there were a few injuries and when Stuart Nelson was injured at Swindon and Yeovil needed a captain, but it was Omar who was given the, um, the captain's arm And he led by example, didn't he? And he, he really did, you know, he really did, you know, come into his own and he's really, you know, this year has marked himself out as a player who's got a fantastic future ahead of him, if not at Yeovil, maybe, you know, in another club in the Football League, but, you know, he's a really, really talented player and he's shown up this year and, um, I think, you know, and of course I'm going to be biased because I chose the award in the end, but I think he was a thoroughly deserving winner of that. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when you said to me beforehand, oh, I'm going to give to Omar, and, uh, you know, I thought, that's fair enough. I would have, I would have either said him or uh, uh, Tom James, in all fairness. But obviously, Tom James got his share of awards, uh, and Omar got his, got his uh, coveted award from the West Gazette. Um, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I mean, he's a very competent player. I think he's a very modern player. Uh, centre-back and how he um, holds himself. He's very confident. He plays the ball well with his feet. Um, he's been great at set pieces as well. And I think he's been a... I think he's one of those players I would look at and I've got to say keep an eye on him. Because at one point, he could probably be in the Championship. Could be, we could be far away from League, uh, league 2 because he's, you can sense a lot of players, you know, you can sense in him exactly that he's got some... Uh, about I it. think he's. I think he's got a great future ahead of him, and I think you know if Yeovil keep him this summer, and of course he is out of contract in the summer. If Yeovil managed to keep him and tie him down to a new deal, they'd have done exceptionally well because there was interest in him in January. I'd be very surprised if some of that interest, you know, doesn't come back yeah. again in the summer. And um, I think he's somebody who, if you look, you know, if you um, if you look a few years down the line, you can very much see him at the very least being a Championship defender mm. because. If you look at him, you know, he's, you know, he's six foot six, you know, he's really well built, he's very strong, he's good in the air, he's got all the attributes that, you know, that a very, very good defender needs. And um, I, I think that, you know, this year was really the making of him. There's always seems to be, you know, one or two players at the Oval who really, you know, come on leaps and bounds over the course of a season. And this year, it was the turn of Omar to do that. Yeah, of course. And again, Tom James. And um, yeah, Tom James is another, you know, worthy winner of some of the other awards because... I think he always had the ability, you always knew he had the technical ability, but he didn't really get that much of a look in last year after he signed. But mm. again, he's another player who was handed an opportunity. He can play across the back four, but he was handed that opportunity mainly at fullback, and he's really, mm. you know, come into his own as well. It's a real shame, really, that the thing that's, that got him that wider attention was that own goal in Notts County, because it's not. A ref- it's not a reflection of the way that he's played at all. It was a, that obviously was a bit of a you know a comedy moment if you look at it from from yeah. a neutral fan's point of view. It's one of those things, but that doesn't define him by any means. He's a really talented player with great technical ability. He's very versatile, and again, it's no surprise that he has attracted interest from some teams up in the championship oh, because yeah. you know. And I can say you know I'm reliably told that there has been. You know, in Trasto, of course, a lot of the rumours may be paper talk, but there is some of there is some substance to some of those rumours. So, you know, you, there is, um, you know, he's another one of a really good future. Um, I want to talk about two other players who perhaps may have been in the frame for awards at various points of the season. I think Francois Oko did, you know, he's done exceptionally well. He's got 15 goals in all competitions. He was top scorer again. But... Um, I think, you know, some of the things that maybe let Zoko down and, um, you know, feel free to agree or disagree with us on this front is his discipline at a couple of, on a couple of occasions, you know. Yeah, well, it, he's been, I think he's, he's had a one two red cards this season. I think he's been a bit yeah. reactive. And I think that I think there was a, definitely was a discipline issue, issue this season. A lot of it was, you know, practice play. I mean, like, you yeah. know, like two yellow cards like Omar uh, got this weekend. But there's been cases where um, players have been, 
reacting and in the wrong way. You know, they they just they would say, for example, I mean, I remember one clear example that sticks out in my head was I remember when when I went, when uh, Notts County came to town, and uh, I think it was a I think it was a one one draw, and uh, what was it? Um, Sid Nelson off the ball got straight red for. Uh, for um, yeah, for I can't remember what he did, but I remember he got sent off, and that was the end of him. And then, but that that source to yeah. me summed up that he somehow had a little bit of discipline problem. Really. And it's and the frustrating thing is if you go yeah. back to Zoko on this point, is yeah. you know maybe uh, you know, and he argues that the Luton red card was that he took the ball out of his hands, and uh, and Alan McCormack made a deal, big deal out of it, and yeah. went down. But the thing is, is that. When you're an experienced player, when you are effectively the de facto captain over the second half of the season, is that you well. you have to time. you have to sort of know when to react and when not to. And really, in that position, yes, Alan McCormack was you know not you know, behaving fairly badly. You know, mm. he wasn't really endearing himself to anybody. He shouldn't have been doing it, but you have got to not react. And oh, yeah, right. I'm, not, I'm sure he knows that. You know, we spoke to him last week. Um, at the um, of a press conference, and he admitted, you know, that you know he's always learning, and um, there are some times that you know perhaps he shouldn't react like that. But I think overall, he, it it did cost you overall, you know, him being suspended. So that, that's sort of why um, I decided not to give Zoko Player of the Year. And of course, the other one who would have been a really you know, big contender over the first half of the season, you know, and if this um, prize had been given in say January, then Otis Khan would have been a really, really big. Oh yeah, I was going to say well, his think... form. But of course, second half of the season, you know, his his form really has tailed off since he came back from that ban. And and really, you know, if you're awarding a Player of the Year award, you're awarding awarding it based on how you perform over the entire campaign. And you know, I looked at all of this, and at the end of it, I thought, you know, the best player overall. If you look at consistency, if you look at the you know, progress, if you look at you know. Who you've been able to rely on to to yeah. really you know put a performance in every week? It, it was Omar Suwumni, and yeah, so I completely agree. He fully deserved that award, if you ask me. Yeah, I completely agree. And obviously, I, I agree with the logic. You know, you put, you buy you give the player of the year award to a player who's been consistent throughout the season. You know, certainly have bad points, but you know, it's all about how they've been over the season. There's some obviously you say you know, Toscano, Toscano had a uh, was a bright spark in a quite a. Slow first start of the season. Uh, start slow first half first of the season. Of the season yeah. I get, I get my words mixed up here, but I, what, what I'm saying here is that it, obviously he trailed off. Maybe he had a tenth turn. Maybe he, you know, wasn't able to get back into form. Who knows? But um, but I completely agree with your logic there. I would have, I, I, as I say, I mean, I completely agree when he said to me he was going to get it. Um, and well, I, I hope he was chuffed with his award. I hope the coveted Western Gazette award. Well, you know, hope, hopefully, hopefully he did, and um, um, it, it's a real shame that he got sent off on Saturday because I think that's sort of, a bit awkward. It was, it? It was a, well, it of course, it's not awkward. It's always good to be able to present things, but of course, it, it's not. You know, of course, for him, he's obviously gonna. He was obviously disappointed that he got sent off. So, you know, it, that was a shame, but I don't think it in any way takes away from his performances this season. And um, you know, I think you know he's had a great season overall. And mm. um, when he goes back, and you know, because of course this is his season over now because he'll be suspended for Saturday. But when he looks back at what he's yeah. achieved, I think he can be very proud of what he's done and really see the progress that that he's made. Now, yeah. I want to move it on to um, topics not just about Yeovil Town. It does impact on Yeovil Town in some way because this is the talk that came out um, earlier in the week that the um, the EFL decided that um, all of its member clubs are to hold a vote. In June, on whether it will be compulsory for them to produce match day programmes next season, and um, you know this is uh, something which um, has triggered quite a bit of debate because you know I think for a lot of people, a match buying a match day programme, it's almost part and parcel of that match day routine that, that yeah. you do. But um, yeah. but also for 
for some people, you know, it may be one of those things that they think maybe is it a little bit outdated now that practice of going up to the to the kiosk and, and spending three pounds on 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 a program. You know, it's a, it's an interesting debate. There are views on both sides, but Mike, I want to um, to get your thoughts on this as somebody who's been attending matches for many years and no doubt has many programs um, stashed away at home. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, all the clubs I I, I watched as a kid: Gloucester City, Forest Green, uh, Arsenal. Um, you know, if I go to away game, we'll always get a. Um, program because it's almost as if it's almost like buying a ticket really obviously you got a sort of memento your uh, trip away really and it's always nice to just read through it because uh, sometimes obviously you go to clubs I mean especially non-league you know you go to a non-league club and you don't know who this pl- this club is and it's always nice to read up about them and have an insight and a bit of a welcoming uh, feel into the club um, I, I really like the programs I mean I, I, agree, I agree they have gone up in price obviously because of printing costs and I think it's it's on this, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels between that and print journalism, for example. Um, but I, I really, I, I think it would be a, a great shame for match match day programmes to go out of print and to be, to end, really. I, I understand they will be still held, uh, you know, to still be printed for like special events, like obviously cup finals and the playoff uh, finals, etc. But I think, uh, you know, I think it's, it's important that these things stay stay really because it, it is a, a tradition in really in the football going experience you know as I did that review in in uh, November Notts County game you know I bought a, I bought a pint I had bought a program as well and it was a it was a it was a cornerstone of a great match day experience I'd say but um, I mean I don't know what your views are Stephen but I don't know if you agree I, I very much agree I think that it'd be a real shame to lose them I think that they are a big part of Many people's matchday experiences. I'll admit I've never been somebody who's gone and you know bought a program every time I've been to a game. But there are certain occasions on which I would always do it. I always buy you know a few. If you know going back to my days as a season ticket holder rather than a reporter, because you get programs automatically. Oh, yeah. And sometimes your columns do get put in there as well. Yeah, oh uh, yeah, and I'll come on to that. But uh, certainly, um, you know, as a season ticket holder, I would go probably buy one maybe you know every you know every couple of games every two or three games and um, I'm sure that's the same for many people but I know there are people who religiously buy them and particularly like you said I think when you go away from home I think that's when I would always buy them more because you're always interested in sort of what other clubs are doing and what their thoughts on your team might be and and all of all of those things so many stacks of uh, uh, 2006 and 7 Gloucester City yeah I think it's a really it's a real shame that if football clubs are saying that they can charge three pounds for a program and it's not financially viable for them to do that I think that's you know that's a real you know that's not a good reflection on the club as a whole to be honest with you because Mm. uh, there's no way on earth it should cost you that much to print a program I know you don't sell every program that you have made but Really, for prices that clubs are charging, you know, three pounds, which is, you know, it's it's not absolutely extortionate, but it's not a small amount of money for what it is. Yeah. I think, you know, it's very difficult to see how clubs are losing money on it, and um, I think it's something that a lot of people still enjoy. I don't know the exact um, figures for Yeovil Town, but I know they sell. I mean, certainly several hundred, at the very least, at every match day. And maybe, maybe need make and I think there is there is a market. There is a market out there for them. So I think, you know, the day that, that clubs are clubs stop doing them will be a very sad day. Yeah, it's agree. important to stress, obviously, this vote doesn't mean that fat clubs are going to stop. And I think even if clubs say that it won't be compulsory anymore, there are clubs that will still choose to do them every game. And oh, I know yeah. that um, for Yeovil, as um, 
press officer on Twitter has said that you know they've certainly got no intention of um, of stopping doing the program. Mm. But I think the problem is that once you start removing these things, but saying you or removing a, a rule that says you have to produce the program, then there are some clubs that that will use that as an excuse to save a bit of cash and stop doing it, and um, that will be, I think, a very sad day for football. And um, yeah. you know, I think you know it's not just it's not just for you know the fact that it's uh, you know something which you know many people contribute to, and it's uh, it's something which you know is still quite journalistic in nature. And of course, in our profession, it's good. And like you say, I I regularly contribute to the Oval Town Match Day program, and have done through this season. But um, I think it's. Um, it is part of many people's match day, you know, habits and rituals yeah, and something agree, that many yeah. people have done for many years. And I think that, you know, I, I've always, you know, I've never been against changing sports and in and in sort of like spectator habits and that sort of thing. I think always it's always good to be modern and to, you know, to change with the times. But there yeah. is always a place for tradition. And I think very much, you know, a match yeah. day programme is it's a tradition. It's something which should always be there no, as long as people great. want them to be there. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, I again, it's a, I love uh, Clips Match Day programs because it's a nice moment of the day. And who knows, you know, if it's especially if it's a big game. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure people have bought that, bought that, uh, you know, thousands of programs when you uh, when you played United because they know that they can hold on to it, keep in good condition, set it on because it's such a valuable thing. And obviously, a bit of a side. Uh, side points, well, not not two programs, but obviously the story this week about uh, a suitcase with all the tickets, all the matches of uh, Euro '96 were all found. Yeah, in a yes. and it shows how valuable that grows. Obviously, because again, that's unused ticket stubs, but it's still quite valuable. And it's you can draw this all parallels to like uh, match play programs. If you went to a cup final and it, an iconic one, yeah, that that program becomes rare. Because that's never going to be. I've still got I've still got a program from when Yeovil won the playoff final against yeah. Brentford. I've still got the I've got both of the Manchester United programs there. Yeah. Whenever I've been to a big sporting event, so I mean like an international match yeah. or say for example I've been to Formula One Grand Prix, yeah. you know British you've Grand got, Prix. Yeah, I, I always get something from from that because you know that's a big event. You know it's something which you know it doesn't happen very often. You don't always get the chance to to go yeah. to these things, and it, it is it's something which you can then bring out and say, look, I was there. You know, mm. and you can take the program out and say you know you can really use it as part of you know yeah. when, you, when you're talking about and sort of looking back at things that you've done in the past I think yeah. it and I don't think it would have the same impact of these things when electronic I think there's there's always a big case for electronic media and I'm you know I'm a big advocate of you know, electronic media but I think there's there are certain things in programs are one of them where nothing quite beats the feeling of having that in your hand in your hand really yeah I was going to say look for it because Arsenal for example they do a match day program on their on their, on smartphones and I've actually used it and I do like it I mean it's nice because it fits your phone and you can zoom in and uh, you can swipe through it it's very it's very accessible but I still prefer to buy a match day program in print as well um, but I also want to say if we're going to talk about match day programs obviously you've got the program post coming in uh, at Hewish Park and that is a nostalgia cave I've, so I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before that's got um, like programs from like games like England games FA Cup finals Community Shields and it's always great to just pick one up and go oh who played on that day oh what did Arsene Wenger say oh, oh who's you know this and that and it, it's always nice to all just pick them up and, and just yeah. have a, like a recall that day in football history I always think it's great to be able to do that and I, I do it quite often because you know it's part of my role it's you know you've sometimes 
you do look back at sort of what's happened in the past you do some nostalgia pieces and stuff and it's fascinating when you've got like an archive yeah. or something just to look back because it's almost oh, yeah. like you you obviously know what happened at that point but it's it's fascinating sometimes to look back and how these things were reported and what you know people said about them at the time because a lot of times you know when you look back at something that happened 10 years ago yeah. you know what people say about them now is very different to what was said about them at the moment they happened so you know again I think a program is a perfect example of that now um i think just before we go we've got um we've got time for um for your predictions for the lincoln game it's the last time we're going to do this this season mike so oh, yeah. what do you think is going to happen up at central bank on saturday oh trying to be positive oh, sod it one 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 yeah <laughs> hopefully you have all uh a fan of me do, do something good a fan of me would love to say that you're going to get something i think realistically i think when you look at the permutations involved and when you look at the fact that lincoln have to get something out of this game to to make sure that they're going to be in the playoffs. The fact that Yeovil are safe, I think it's very, very difficult to see Yeovil getting something out of it. So it pains me to say it. You know, I hate myself in a way for saying it, but I think Lincoln are going to win and they're going to win by at least two goals. So I'm going to say 3-1 to Lincoln. Well, that's why I always stay positive and always go for a score draw. Yeah, and you know, I said I was very positive at the end of last week. And, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, you, you know, sometimes, sometimes you have to... Um, Sometimes I think you have to, you know, look at things from the outside and see how they go. And um, I'd love for Yeovil to prove me wrong. If Yeovil prove me wrong, I'll be absolutely ecstatic because it'll be the final game of the season. And it'd be great, you know, if Yeovil could go enter the summer, at least on somewhat of a high after what's been quite a challenging campaign. Oh, yeah, but really. whether that happens or not, you know, you'll have to find out on Saturday. And of course, up at Central Bank, I'll be there and I'll be bringing you all the coverage and all the um, all the action as it happens on the Somerset Live website. So go to www.somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport for all the latest from that. And um, of course, if you um, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to um, I mean, you want to subscribe, there is there is going to be one more episode next week. So it's not too late to subscribe. Never too late. You can do so and there's via no iTunes. And via Audio Boom. So again, just iTunes and Audio Boom for that if you want to subscribe. So all that leaves me to say is thank you very much for joining us as always. And we will see you again next week with the final episode of the series. Bye-bye.